So, so you kind of ask yourself, why are you doing this, Rob? What, why do you have all these people up here and sharing this and all of these things happening? Because we want you to be involved in this decision. It's not my decision. It's not these people up here's decision. It's the church's decision to give the money away. And ultimately in three weeks at our family meeting, we will vote on this proposal to give the money away. So we will be talking about it the next three weeks. We'll be preaching on these things and talking through it as a church. And we want this to be a joyous celebration of the Lord giving to his people. So this is not... um, this is a teaching moment for all of us, right? Um, I'm, I'm the guy uh, that, that really doesn't like to talk about money and giving, okay? I, I'll just tell you that up front. And so the Lord is stretching me even through this. Um, we're going to take a three-week hiatus from the book of Acts and then come back. Uh, Scott did a great job last week in summarizing the first 14 chapters. Yeah, give it up for Scott, okay? I see you. They like you, Scott. They want you to preach more. That's good. Um, but uh, my, my wife reminded me this morning. She said to me, she's uh, dealing with the, the children today, the two-year-olds today. But she reminded me this morning that giving is more than just money. All of our life is an offering unto the Lord. Yeah, I, I, I think so. All of our life is an offering to the Lord. So whatever we say from here, the the sermon can take care of itself, okay? All of our life is an offering unto the Lord. Um, About four or five years ago, the Lord uh, convicted me. um, While I wanted to shy away from giving and money and this sort of thing as a pastor... Um, He showed me from his word that is such an important part of understanding the character and the nature of God himself as the gospel is all about giving. And when your life is Christ... You're going to reflect the gospel through giving. So I'm, I'm challenging our church during this three week series. I'm challenging myself through these three weeks to see Christ and the gospel and understand its relationship to giving. Um, We've entitled this sermon series, The Joy in Giving. I truly believe that there is joy in God's economy through his gifts and his giving. This is in the nature of God himself as he gives to us Christ Jesus. And this is one of the ways in which God actually teaches us about himself is through money. God uses money as a tool to grow his kingdom and he also uses it as a tool for people to grow and to know God himself. Um, My family has experienced the grace of God in the loss of a lot of money, okay? Uh, we've lost more fortunes than, than uh, most people in this earth. And yet, God, in his grace, through the loss of money, we have experienced the love of God in ways in which are incredibly um, tangible. 
if, if you were at our lake house on Friday night, uh, some people came to our lake house. We invited the whole church, and uh, it was pouring down rain, and everyone was gathered in a small room. It was 50 to 60 people, and the church bus pulls up with our senior adults. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, Lord, what is going to happen here? And they got out, and they came in, and the, everybody was excited. They were there, and it was just a joyous time to be together. The Lord let off the rain, so we were able to go outside and, and have a little more space. But um, just a joyous time to be apart. But uh, as I was saying this, that property is called De Gratia, which is the grace of God. And understanding our parents' story and that place that we have, um, you'll understand that God gives and he takes away and he gives and he takes away and yet it's all for his glory. So now I'm really unashamed to talk about money or ask people for money because it's part of the discipleship growth in God's people. It's one of the ways in which God uses people giving to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth, which is why he put us here for his glory. So if, you, if you're a guest this morning, you haven't been through our membership class, we are certainly glad you're here. But, but something we often say is, is that our giving is, is for the members of the church to provide the finances necessary for the work of ministry of Northwest. So until God calls you to this place to be a part of that, this family, we, we just ask that you come with a heart ready to worship. I, I, don't, I don't believe that I can compel people to give. I believe the gospel changes people's hearts. I, I don't want to compel people to give money. I want to compel people to live out the gospel in their life so that God is glorified. And one of those aspects is giving financially. So if, if you feel like your pastor just wants your money this morning, I want to put your mind at ease. If you've had a bad experience with fundraising or, or a, in, in a church, I, I'd like to, you to apply these principles elsewhere. Um, our church is filled with people who are committed to the mission here. We believe God is doing a great work, but I, I don't want your bad experience or your feelings to keep you from going down a path of discipleship in the area of your finances. So I just want to get that out of the way before I start this series. Um, but I met a man, his name is Saeed this morning, um, and he is from California. He came to visit us today. And he was, he's originally from Iran, and he was baptized in this church in the 80s. And he grew in discipleship in this church in the 80s. And we praise God for him that he's here this morning. Saeed, would you stand up? Yeah, we're, we're thankful you're here. But... If you think about it, over the past 90 years, 91 years of Northwest, there has been thousands of people give to the ministry of the gospel so that men like Saeed could come and hear the message of Christ and be transformed. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Um, as these people up here have said, 2020 um, was... A, a tremendous year for our church. In the midst of a pandemic, God was faithful. Um, 
God has been faithful to our church. Uh, it, it is incredibly to, for me to sit here. There, there, there were many nights in which I would ask the Lord and pray, Lord, are we going to be able to survive? We're, we're a city of church. We don't have a lot of extra money. Um, we have a huge facility. Lord, 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 what do you want for us? And, and, and God not only blessed us with you and your people giving faithfully, even if you're not attending, but he allowed us to have people that gave in fixing up the building, that gave in technology upstairs. Those guys spent hours figuring out how to, how to stream these services. Um, so let me just tell you some of the things the Lord did in the last couple of years. We have a new worship center. We have a new missions hub. We have a new house of prayer, a new chapel, new offices. We have new AC units, including the big one in this room, which cost us $170,000. We have new parking lots. And God's not finished. Uh, he's transformed the physical makeup of this facility, and he's not done there yet but um, I believe this giving which we're talking about right now will bring such a joy in our hearts as we experience the grace of God that all we can do is declare his goodness and his grace in our life to a lost and dying world we could have given to a lot of worthy causes we have we have a lot of worthy people out there, but we gave not because of the cause, but because our heart's yearning to give to the Lord, just, just to throw that out there. Um, our prayer during these next several weeks is that we would remind all of us why we're here, not to build our kingdom, but God's kingdom. And we pray that God's grace is so overwhelming in your own life for these next three weeks that this spurs you to even give to the kingdom of God more. I want to tell you that since we decided to give this $106,000, I have many stories through this, but the Lord has given us $146,000 through two or three major gifts of families that have passed away that have given money to the church. So this morning we open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's a much talked about passage and I've actually preached on verses 6 through 8 but I'm going to talk to you about 8 through 15 this morning as we get to the inexpressible gift. Corinthians is a church that has a lot of problems. It has issues. We all have issues. It has quarreling, fighting, worldly Worldly issues, sexual immorality within the church, misuses of spiritual gifts, problems with taking the, the, the Lord's Supper, and a wrong heart. And Paul writes the letter of 1 Corinthians to address a lot of those issues. Um, it's a challenging study if you've never read 1 Corinthians, but he writes something called the severe letter after this. And this is a last call, last ditch effort to call the people of Corinth and the church to repentance. And 2 Corinthians is the letter in response to the Corinthians' response. It's a letter that brings relief and joy to Paul as God's people have repented. And in the middle of this beautiful letter... 
is their heart for the Lord through their giving and God's reward of a gracious giver as the Corinthians church has turned from all of these issues now to givers in the Lord. And that's where we pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we will stand and read it. And this will be the shortest sermon you've ever heard from me. So here we go. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen? Amen. Let's be seated. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that this word is truth. We thank you for challenging our hearts in the area in which we need the most. Lord, we pray that we would not be, be, be reactionary to your word, but we would say, Lord, where do you want to, to, to see fit to move in our hearts? And Lord, what are you doing in this midst? And Lord, how can I submit to your will in my own life? Lord, we thank you for your word. May you speak through your spirit. We thank you for the inexpressible gift that is in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a movie that came out in 2016. Um, it was called Hacksaw Ridge. Some of you may have seen it. It recounted a story of Desmond Doss. He was from World War II. And, uh, uh, and you know that some of these movies that say based upon a true story are actually one or two parts, maybe the name, and that's it. But um, the reason it took so long for them to produce this movie because, was because Desmond and his son declined for them to produce this movie over and over and over again. Why? Because they had one requirement. And the requirement was that the movie had to be accurate to the life of Desmond Dodd. Mel Gibson said he would, he would do it. And... Um, and, and the son said, I find it remarkable of the level of accuracy and adhering to the principle of the story in this movie. So when you watch the movie, which you're, you're getting recommendation from me to, to watch the movie, you'll see that this is a real life story. In May 4th, 1945, during the Battle of Okinawa, 
the fight became very intense and the battlefield was located on top of a sheer 400 foot cliff. Um, the battlefield was fortified with a deadly network of Japanese machine guns, nests, and booby traps. And it was nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge for its treacherously steep cliff. This was a key to winning the Battle of Okinawa. And the mission was thought to be near impossible. Doss was a medic. He, he didn't want to carry a rifle. So he thought he could help people by going to the battlefield and uh, treating them. And his battalion was ordered to retreat. That means the medic too, right? Because the other guys have guns and he doesn't and he's supposed to retreat. And the medic, Desmond, refused to leave the fallen comrades, those injured in the battlefield. And so facing heavy machine gun fire and artillery, Doss repeatedly ran alone into the kill zone, carrying wounded soldiers on his back to the edge of the cliff, single-handedly lowering them down to safety. Each time the the man saved a man's life, Doss prayed out loud, Lord, please help me get one more. That was his prayer. Lord, please help me get one more. By the end of the night, he had rescued 75 men. The modest Dodd said, I rescued about 50, but his fellow soldiers gauged it was closer to 100, so they decided to split the difference. 75. He kept going back in for just one more. His son would ask him, why did you do this? And his son said, he never really gave me a straight answer. Always saying, all glory to God. Never acknowledging his own role. You see, Das understood one thing that we have to understand from this text this morning. It was this. God was the provider. Help me one more. Lord, help me just get one more. You see, Das was a giver in rescuing people. In his circumstance, it was strength and courage that he needed to help him get one more. And God supplied this courage and the boldness to walk into the battle and drag them out and rescue them. This is a beautiful picture of God and how he uses men and women who are completely reliant upon the Lord for their physical resources to use those for the purpose of helping someone else. That's what we call giving. In God's economy, he provides someone to give to his children who are in need and as a result comes a multitude of thanksgiving and glory to God. This is what's happening in the Corinthian church as Paul is explaining how giving works in God's gracious economy of joy. 
God provides givers what they need to give and blesses them to do so that they, together with those who receive it, overflow with joy and thanksgiving and gratitude toward the Lord. This is what God understands. He says, it's all to him. He gave me what I needed to rescue this man, and they were rescued. Do you think those men rejoiced with Desmond? And they came down that cliff as, Lord, as he was mumbling under his breath, Lord, just give me one more. God uses men and women called by the Lord to show his beauty and grace through giving. Let's quickly work through this text. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound in you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. This is our first point this morning is thus. God provides givers the ability to be generous. Why? Because God is the provider. God provides givers the ability to be generous. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I know this is pretty basic math, but when you give something, money, time, energy, it depletes your resources. If you have two red, white, and blue Oreos, okay, stick with me. If you have two, if I have two red, white, and blue Oreos, which I will today at some point, and I give one to some, someone else, and I only have one, it depletes your resource in order to give to someone else. But your friend gets to enjoy what you had. And he gets to praise the Lord for his red, white, and blue Oreo. But this is how the Lord works. God is able, meaning he has the power to make all grace abound to you. What does that mean? Well, whatever you have today is by the grace of God, okay? If you're here with little, it is the grace of God that you have little, If you've been blessed with a lot, it is the grace of God that you have a lot. Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Everything that God gives to us is a gift from the provider who is almighty, all-knowing, all-sovereign, and he has given that to us. It's called grace. 
We aren't deserving of anything. We aren't deserving of this building. We're not deserving to be on this street. We're not deserving to be in here. And yet God has lavished his grace upon us at Northwest Baptist to be Northwest Baptist Church. Verse 6 says this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God supplies those who give so that they will have an abundance for good works. That's what he says, that you may abound in every good work. This is how God works is in, in his own economy. God provides to givers who will then give. He actually provides what we need so that we can give to others and his economy of good works and the gospel moving forward will happen. It's God's stewardship of his resources. God replenishes those who give that God's cycle of giving and ministering can continue for his glory. And he shows that this is from the beginning in verse 9 as he says he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This has always been God's plan. He's quoting in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 112, verse 9. And he tells us that this generous giving produces something in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower, he who supplies it, who is the Lord who provides it to the sower, and bread for food, he provides the bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, increase the harvest of your righteousness. The cycle of God's provision to the giver produces more seed for sowing and a harvest of righteousness. And God is a giving God. God's people give because God is a giving God. His righteousness is on display through his own giving in which he gives to his people. His righteousness is beautiful. His holiness is wonderful. Not going to give away the end of the sermon, but God's greatest gift was himself. Jesus. The righteous taking on the sins of the unrighteous to bring us to God. God gives to us so we can steward his resources for his glory. I've got three minutes. 11, let's go. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Now point number two, giving produces thanksgiving to God. Giving is producing something. 
in the person that you give to and in your own heart? What is the purpose of your life? What is the chief end of man? I hope it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In God's economy of grace, it is a beautiful picture for the Lord to use his children to bestow his blessings through giving. God provides to us, this is how the gospel works, right? God provides to us the gospel in our own heart, in, in our own life, so that we can share it with others. It's the same in, in our material possessions. God provides to us an understanding of the material blessings that he's given us so that we can give that to others. Uh, giving in whatever circumstance you find yourself in brings thanksgiving to the Lord. The person who receives now praises the Lord for the Oreo that they've been given. Okay? Now what's the greatest beer barrier to giving? I, I believe it is, is fear. We're fearful to give because we're afraid that our resources will not replenish fast enough for our own needs to be met. This is, this is true of all of life. Remember, all of our life is an offering lived for the Lord, not just the financial resources. But as a parent, this is true. Sometimes we say to ourselves, I can't give of myself to my kids all of that because I will come too exhausted, not be able to do it anymore. Yet God is the provider even of sleep and rest for his children. He will give you what you need. Now we're getting into some real real life faith issues. Giving actually takes faith that God is the provider. Giving to your child of your time and energy, giving to your your church of your financial resources, giving to your work. All of these things take faith that God is actually providing what you need. Lord, just give me one more. For whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Giving takes faith, it takes courage, it takes boldness. We've seen through the, the book of Acts that it's the Holy Spirit, right? When somebody says, I'm going to give of myself for someone else. We had, we had a deacon in our church um, give of themselves to an individual who, who did not have any family members, widowed. I, I had never even met them when they passed away. And they give of themselves in their time, their energy and their love towards this person for years as they were close to death and not able to take care of themselves and yet they treated them like family. That's giving. And as a result, when this person passed away, guess what? They gave to the church. That's God's economy of joy and grace and it produces this thanksgiving to the Lord by the way, that deacon was 93 years old, if you're wondering how he did that. So, and that person just passed away. Verse 11, 
You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. It's an evidence of the genuineness of one's salvation. Verse 13 shows that the saints who are the Corinthian church will glorify God because of the, the, the saints that are given the money from the Corinthian church are glorifying God because of their submission. The church's submission flowing from the confession of the gospel of Christ. The reason that they are giving is because of the gospel. This is giving in, in a nutshell. You give because the God has moved you. It is flowing into your life and even in your material possessions in which you want to glorify God with your money. This is a cheerful giver. There's really nothing worse than a reluctant giver. Man, I, I really am upset that I gave them that gift, right? Christmas. I, I, they don't really deserve my love. You know that? And I had to give them a gift. They didn't really earn it. I wish I would have given less. Now, we, we, we give as God has given to us freely in joy because God has graciously given to us and the result is thanksgiving to God. So we finished here in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Giving is nothing more than just gratitude for what God has given to us. Simple as that. God's gift is the basis for giving. That's our third point this morning. God's gift is the basis for giving. His indescribable gift. Let me read you a few verses if you don't know what God's inexpressible gift is. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's talking about Jesus. The Son is given. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 8.32 he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know, when Jesus talks about prayer with his disciples, he talks about the good father who wants to give his children good gifts. And God and he says, you need to ask him for good gifts. Who, who, is, who is the good father that will that give his, if they ask for an egg, will give his children a serpent? No. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What he says. 
And, and, and the reality is that if we, if we understand that God is the provider and that we have access to God through God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and we ask the Heavenly Father to bless us, to be a blessing to others, will he not do that? Does he not want his continuation and flow of the gospel to move forward? Yes, he does. And God's economy of joy works like this. Not for our own self-interest, not for our own possessions. Yes, God does give to us so that we can enjoy those things. I can enjoy a nice juicy steak and I can enjoy my red, white, and blue Oreo and give thanks and praise to the Lord above because that is who my provider is for those things. But God's provision is for his glory. Not alone. God gave, and a result produced glory to God. Jesus was the seed that was planted, that died, and it multiplied, producing a great harvest. You see, God's great story of re- grace revealed to us the nature and the character of God in giving His Son. Our life is an offering back to the Lord. The gospel affects our whole life, every single aspect of it. And our giving is glory and thanksgiving to God. May we rejoice in God's inexpressible gift of Christ and the grace that he lavishes upon us. May God's grace abound in you to bring great things in the Lord. So I'm excited about the next three weeks. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what the Lord does. I hope you come back next week. I hope you don't run from us and think, man, this pastor likes to talk about giving. I hope you see it as a challenge that God has given graciously to his people and we are blessed. I'm going to pray for us. We're not going to do an invitation. We're over time this morning. I'm going to pray for us and we'll do some announcements and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your great grace and your great mercy. We thank you for and praise you for your great name. And the blessing it is to be a part of this church and be a part of your kingdom. And we ask, Father, that you would challenge us to live our lives worthy of the calling in which you've called. We pray that we would be givers, not only of our finances, but of our lives for your sake and for your glory. Lord,